Hello. Hey, Merlin. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? Doing good. How are you? I am very well. Rabbit, rabbit. Oh, right. You're supposed to say that at the start of the uh, at the start of the month. Yeah, I screwed it up this morning. That's supposed to be the first words out of your mouth on the new when you first yeah, wake up. The tradition varies. I think we can all agree that for secular and non secular reasons, you should say something repetitious about uh, rabbits. Some people say bunny rabbit. Some people say rabbit rabbit. And I think the first words out of my mouth were something like, what the hell are you looking for? <laughs> and then I said, ooh, rabbit, rabbit. The, the answer was colored pencils. What, um, where do you think the origin <laughs> of that is? The, not the colored pencils. Oh, that's but a the... very good question. We should have the hidden brain guy go and do some research on this. Yeah. Turns out, let's find out about rabbit, rabbit. Are you excited? It's the holiday season, Dan. You hear those sleigh bells jingling, ringling, ringling? Uh-huh. Yep. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. One variant of a superstition found in Britain and North America that states that a person should say or repeat the word rabbit or rabbits or white rabbits or some combination of these elements out loud upon waking on the first day of the month because doing so will ensure good luck for the duration. Origins. The exact origin is unknown, uh, recorded as early as 1909. Hmm. Have you ever remembered to do it and done it? Oh, yeah. Does it work? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Everything's, yeah. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, I'm not a particularly superstitious person. I just do some because they're fun. Yep. I heard a, um, there's a really good, uh, you know, I watched that, uh, bunch of the YouTube. There's a video that I saw the other day on the origins of superstitions. And, uh, there was some I didn't know. Like the knock on wood comes from like, uh, I don't want to use the word wrong. I don't want to be, uh, religionist mm-hmm. but like a like a, a kind of a druid type thing of knocking on a tree because you could like wake up the spirit inside really yeah oh, wake, that's up, wake super up spirit cool. rabbit rabbit rise and shine it's december <laughs> sleigh bells ring one it's been a big week dan it's been a big big week yeah you've been all you've been all over the place how you figure i don't know i just you're out and about you're in the world you know Yes, thank you for accommodating the reschedule. My nephew got married oh, on Tuesday. Oh, lovely. I, I, yes, Mazel tov. Did you and officiate? So I, I did not. Because I know it that you're a, a, uh, a member or, or a... I really can't discuss that. Sub, uh, sub-genius or whatever it is. Sub-genius. Yes, actually, I belong to that also. Um, I'm a sub-genius. I, you know, my, I became a sub-genius, a follower of Jared Bob Dobbs in approximately 1989. So my... I don't know if my bona fides have lapsed since. Then. No, I think I think it's a lifetime thing. Wasn't it about thirty bucks back then? I don't remember back in nineteen eighty nine dollars. Yeah. Oh, America was in love with Paula Abdul. It was a crazy time. <laughs> um, but I still seek slack uh, wherever I go. Yeah. Um. So there's that, and then uh, yeah, no, it was at uh, City Hall, the same place my lady and I got married, oh. which is a beautiful, beautiful place. City uh-huh. Hall, downtown San Francisco. Uh, fancy san francisco yeah. <laughs> believe me the area around city hall is a terrific exemplar of how truly fancy san francisco has become uh and then we uh went out and got some drinks and i got a flu shot well apparently um it, you still have a 90 percent chance of getting the flu then because i read a thing this morning that said oh, no. it's only going to be 10 percent effective this year why you tell me that it's the first flu shot i've ever gotten well 
Well, at least it'll protect me from colds, according to John Syracuse. Does he really believe? I was thinking about that the other day. Does he still re- like? Is that a real thing that he actually? You thinks- asked him about it, and I think he was very clear about saying, as long as you get a flu shot, you can't get sick in any way. I think that includes that includes bowel disorders, uh, the, the the grip. But he's such a he's such a smart guy. He has to know better yes. than that. I don't know. He claims to be very rational, but I think that that is a cover. I think that's cover for his very backward thinking about many, many things, including video games. Flu um, flu apocalypse predicted flu. due to ineffective flu shots, doctors say. And this is uh, from CBS Philly. Hmm. U.S. health officials are bracing for a devastating flu season this winter that many people won't even be able to ward off with their annual Aww. flu shot. And it says That'd that nice. based on, uh, I guess, they, whoever it is that comes up with the vaccine, uh that vaccine gets made and produced and Australia has their flu season. Their flu season sort of ends when ours is just starting to ramp up. So they look to Australia to determine how effective the vaccines are. Australia or Austria? Is the, you're talking about the land down under? Yes. Australian, yeah, the, the I, big, the big uh, island with the marsupials. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Cause you get spider flu, you get snake flu. Well, anyway, the Australian vaccination was only 10% effective, and that's the, the same one that we get. And, uh, mm. and so, flu-pocalypse. Oh, brother. Well, <clears throat> I watched another YouTube video about how they decide what to put into the, the flu every year. It's so funny. Dan, I swear to Christ, I'm looking at this right now. The two videos I watched in a row last night, Yeah, both from Ted Ed which is hard to say, but fun to watch. Uh-huh. First one I watched, where do superstitions come from? Right. The next one I watched after that, why do you need to get a flu shot uh, every year? And they talk about how the strands of RNA are put together uh, with tongue scrapings. They scrape people's tongues and they find out what flu is uh, in the wild, as you say. And then that goes into the calculation to make a 90% uh, ineffective, ineffective flu shot, I guess. Shot, yeah. Do you get a flu shot? Uh, no. Are you a vaxxer? You're a vaxxer, aren't you? What does that mean? I don't know. I just read about it in the paper. There's a vaxxer and there's an anti-vaxxer. I don't know what any of that means. But for, for me personally, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't get the flu shot. I, I, I used to. Your body's a temple. <laughs> right. But I don't, I don't get it. That I big rope it. you like to pull. That, that's the kind of stuff. You don't want that to be uh, compromised by an ineffective Australian shot. Well, what, when I say I don't get it, it doesn't mean like mm. I don't get it. It means like I just haven't gotten it and I don't get it. Could generally. it be that you don't get it? Right. Right. Okay. I'm going to add this to show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode Diggity 352 of your Back to Work program? 5by5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 is in the number W as in walrus slash 352. 352. It's a crazy week. It's early dismissal week. What does that mean? Well, uh, I'm sorry. My thing's beeping. I heard you get it. early dismissal. You get early dismissal. That's because it's teacher conference week. And so school lets out at like 12.50. So we're doing, the, doing a handoff today. You don't get that where you like, they got to do this, this conferences and so. Yeah, they usually so do kids, it on like, a, like the kids have a day off of school and then you go in on that day and talk to the teacher. Yes. Yes. They do that for five days here. We had our conference yesterday and it went very well. Nothing, nothing bad, I hope. Oh my gosh, she was so scared. It's the first time um, this teacher, her teacher, whom I really like, um, I think might be a socialist. Her teacher uh, has the child come in with the parents and she was terrified to go in because she had all these, you know, this is, this gets to uh, one of my little odds and sods today, but gets to that like, oh God, I built this up in my head. 
to be this terrible thing. Right. And she's like, I know she's going to go in. She's going to pull out all of like my unfinished work. And I'm going to feel it's like the thing that she worries about feeling the worst about. And it went great. It was like, it went great. Model, model student. She she's doing very well. Teacher's pet. Mm-hmm. Her reading is very, very I good. Try. I'm not going to brag. I'm not going to brag, but her reading is very good. Ninth grade level. <laughs> no. Wow. Um, ninth. Yeah. Well, Woo! but see now I had to talk her off the cloud a little bit. Cause I was like, well, that's like what they expect from a ninth grader in public schools. That ninth grader is probably reading, you know, college level stuff. So don't get too cocky. Right. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. But then she tried to pivot to saying, Oh, does that mean I get to go and read anything a teenager reads? <laughs> And I said, well, you kind of already do. Right. Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for werewolf, vampire sex? Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a twilight? Right. I think she's looking for a twilight. I think she might be. <laughs> I try really hard to get my kid uh, really nervous about those parent-teacher meetings. He just, he does not, <laughs> Smart. he does not Smart. care. I'm like, well, you know, we no. got that thing and they're going to. Has he no shame, sir? Doesn't he worry about he's going to lose his integrity? No. And I'll say to him, I'll be like, anything I need to know, this is your chance to tell me anything I need to know going. He's like, nah. Like, oh, really? sit down, Cash. Hard or easy. Yeah. Hard or easy, buddy. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> right we can and do this two ways uh-huh uh-huh what we got here so you hmm. <laughs> i've had a lot of coffee i love you, it uh you like to put him back on his heels as they say yeah but it get doesn't him, get him ready he doesn't get he doesn't get nervous he doesn't get worried or anything <laughs> he'd be a great president oh my god um, that's the funny thing really he's not scared is no. he fearless well no not usually like the stuff that scares him is nothing like this i don't really know what you know, what scares but like, him. I mean, like, for example, as a child, I had many uh, things that I was scared of. Some of them were very specific things, like getting a shot. Other things were slightly more abstract and fantastical, like the f- flying monkeys in The Wizard of Oz terrified <laughs> Yeah, me. well, you you and me both. Oh, my God, that face. Remember what that looked like? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to call gonna, up a picture. It's got to go in show notes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They were so scary. I'm just thinking I don't want to out your boy, but I think you need to find his flying monkey. I think you need to figure out what's in the deep, dark recesses of the mind of Cash and encourage him to believe that there could be four to nine of whatever that is in the oh, room. You're, you're right, I'm sure. And um, Teacher might be a flying monkey. You know what, his his things are more like, like he ten- generally tends to be afraid of, of I guess kind of the, the unknown, like Something that's completely unknowable, but like he's not afraid. He's not afraid of like aliens. He's not afraid of the monkeys from Wizard of Oz. He's not afraid, and like he has a surprise. And he's definitely not afraid of Bigfoot, right? He's like friends with Bigfoot. It goes back and forth, but we haven't. I'll ask him again. We haven't talked about Bigfoot for a while, and we're due, I think, to have another conversation. But I think he's, Mm -hmm. you know, like he has surprisingly little. Like I, I remember some close friends of ours. They had a son. And they were one of these families that, you know, like they were very, very opposed to any kind of brands at all. You know, like if they if they bought anything but like the straight up Publix milk or whatever, they would, you know, they would peel the label off of it. They didn't they were very opposed to any kind of brands at all on anything. Adbusters. Totally. And if, you know, Mm -hmm. like they wouldn't wear a shirt if it had like the polo logo on it, like can't do it. Too much branding. Everything had to be plain, hmm. and they also didn't let their kids watch any TV. I don't know how their household functioned, but I think they I had very, done. just like very quiet, you know, kids are like, just, okay, go go rest now, and they would just go and read or something. I don't know. I, I always thought that was beautiful, but I, I could never reproduce it. But uh, they, mm-hmm. 
you know, like they didn't watch TV very much. And so the story goes that they were watching the, uh, the Miami game at their, at their friend's house. And there was a commercial that came up during it that had like a wolf's face moving toward the screen or something like doing a zooming in on a wolf or something like that. And this poor kid got nightmares from this. He was probably five or six at the time. Oh no. Got nightmares from the wolf for like months after that. Like it just terrified this poor kid from seeing just a, like zooming in on a, I don't know. Maybe the wolf was growling. I don't know what it was, but it just traumatized him. And like, see, this is why we don't watch TV. Now we can't, you know, and they had to like leave mm. in, a, in a big, I wasn't there for this, but. Confirmation bias. Nothing like uh, my son, can't, he doesn't, and nothing seems to register with him as far as like seeing something and being afraid of it or it haunting him or anything. I'm really, now my daughter is the opposite. She's much more along the lines of like something like she found a butterfly that had, uh, that had passed away and mm. she had to make a grave site for it and have little stones. And she drew pictures of the butterfly on little, a little popsicle stick with a thing and marking the grave in our backyard now for the butter. And she was like almost crying about it. So yeah, very different, very different uh, constitutions. Do you, do you think she's in, <clears throat> I mean, you don't have to say you can cut this out, but do you consider her an empathetic person? Does she think about how other people feel about things? Hmm. Only when they're not at odds to what she wants. Oh, it's the child's innate sense of justice. Yes. Yeah. But no, now what you really need to do is clue her to the idea as a fan of The Walking Dead. You should warn her that, of course, that will come back as a walker butterfly. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, she has I'll to mention go back. that. She too. has to go back with a teeny tiny little stake or sword or <laughs> screwdriver right. and put it through the butterfly's brain. If you can find it. Butterflies, I bet, have pretty small brains. So yeah, I thought, so it's the same thing as with a vampire. You just put it through the brain? Yeah, it's my understanding. And then the spoiler for everything after... I don't know, Epsurus. Does it happen in season one? When do they find out the interesting secret when everything turns? They, but basically, well, see, now people are going to get mad. I can't say. But you think what you're dealing with is, oh no, suddenly a large portion of the earth has turned into zombie like creatures. This is really bad. And I think I can say this. Uh, you discover this pretty early on. But then the, the, I feel like the whole show turns and gets way more interesting when you also discover that anybody, who dies will eventually come back as a walker unless you brain them. You got to, you got to, you got to get through the brain. So that's interesting. Now, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. I've stopped watching it. Oh, have you seen the numbers? The numbers are down. It's crazy. They were racking up uh double figure millions every episode through last season. And after whatever this is, uh, episode one of this season, starting with that, it's like it's consistently below 10 million each episode. And what was it at its peak? That's a good question. I don't know. I could look it up. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, empathy is interesting in children. And it's not it's not surprising. It's not surprising to me that that doesn't develop all at once. You look at that basic. And again, I'm not a child psychologist, but. I've heard it said that until sometime around the age of one or so, like most kids are not even really aware of other people as being people like them. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't have this sense, like obviously, you know, your, your mom's got boobs and food or whatever, but like you, you know, that's where the, that's the snack bar, but you get that, but that you it's, it takes a while for kids to understand 
that sense. And then that, then eventually they learn to do things like, oh, I can say something that's not true and other people may not know. And then that development can take a very, very long time. And in some cases, you know, never comes true. Like mm-hmm. people just stay awful forever, which reminds me here of the internet uh, science page. I looked up flying monkeys. First thing that comes up, I've added this to show notes, flying monkeys, parent psychology. Flying monkeys is a phrase used in popular psychology, mainly in the context of narcissistic abuse. There are people who act on behalf of a narcissist to a third party, usually for an abusive purpose. You've heard that used on the internet. Yeah, but not in... Like when you, you, send, you send in the flying monkeys. Like somebody who's like some kind of online personality decides to like collapse on some other online personality and they send all their flying monkeys. Right, yes. I've seen that kind of thing. What a great term. Flying monkeys are distinct from enablers. Enablers just allow or cover for the narcissist's own bad behavior. Flying monkeys, they're out there doing, they're like the stormtroopers of narcissists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, rabbit, rabbit. Troopers. Of I'm like a metaphor mixologist. I'm the bartender of analogies. Um, Dan, would you like to talk about something you like? Yeah, hold on. The bartender uh, of analogies. Just making some analogies. Notes yeah, I should do that. Yeah, I'd love to. T- I would love to tell you about uh, LinkedIn Learning. LinkedIn Learning. Everybody uh, should remember Linda. Is this a new sponsor? Is this is this a Linda? Que Linda. It is. It is a new sponsor. That's an old sponsor because what happened mm-hmm. was LinkedIn Learning is essentially the. Uh, I think they acquired Linda and they acquired uh, all of their amazing content that was there. And Linda used to sponsor us for many years, and they kind of went away and now they're back and in this new form. And if you don't know what Linda is, they're the leader in online learning for the past 20 years. They are uh, the place to go if you want to learn something. And I really mean that in as open-ended of a way as you might want to interpret it. This is for people who want to, uh, to learn new skills, to solve problems for people who want to create things. Uh, And it could be anything from, learning how to record and edit a podcast to writing a Ruby code to mastering Excel. Uh, and they also things that aren't exactly skills in that same sense. They, they have uh, courses that help you overcome procrastination or design a website. I um, mean, you name it, they've got a really excellent course or multiple courses on it. And these things are designed in such a way that you don't necessarily have to watch it from start to finish. For example, if you're already proficient in, say, you're editing something in Logic Pro, but you want to learn how to do one specific thing, you might find that there's a, an hour-long course on Logic Pro, but the thing that you want, you can jump in and learn and just figure it all out in just that five minutes. So it's, uh, it's designed both for the long view as well as jumping in and getting a specific answer to your question. And these courses are, are created by folks who really do know what they're doing people who are really smart professionals in the field that decided to share what they know, their secrets, their information. Uh, They've got project files you can download. They've got quizzes that help you validate what you've learned. Uh, And from start to finish, this is the place to go to learn stuff. It's visual. You get to see what's going on, and then, uh, then you learn something from it. And this is what's really cool about it is you get access to everything, every single course, Watch them as many times as you want, as often as you want at your own pace. And you can even get transcripts for the videos if you want. So you can watch, you can listen, you can read along. And you can watch these on your computer, your tablet, your mobile device. And we've got a special deal uh, free for 30 days. You can get a a trial to LinkedIn Learning by going to linkedin.com slash back to work. Again, linkedin.com slash back to work. 
and uh, that'll get you your 30-day free trial. You have access to everything. Imagine what you could learn in 30 days. Go check them out. We appreciate the support of LinkedIn Learning. LinkedIn.com slash back to work. Buck, buck. <clears throat> Download my Flickr photos. Are you moving off the, uh, the platform? Uh, you know, it's something where I stopped mostly. I don't know why I'm mentioning this, except I was just looking at photos, trying to find a photo and I got distracted. I, um, you know, I still pay for it because if you don't pay for it, you lose access to like the high quality versions. And so for something like, I want to say five years right around this time, every year I get recharged for a year of Flickr that I'm not using and nothing to slam the current state of Flickr, although it's eminently slammable in some ways. Um, be, but uh, no, I, I should find this. Uh, Glenn Fleischman had a really good tutorial on how to get all your photos out of Flickr because they don't make it. You can't just click a button and say download everything. And he had this really good tutorial for like depending on how many photos you have, you can go and create new albums. You you know about the like, uh, the tool that I wrote that lets you download your whole library, right? I do not. I I got a really kind of janky app for doing that, and it went okay. But it downloaded it as a .jpg plus a .json, and I wanted I preferred so I did all of that and uploaded that to Google Photos and didn't get all of them. So I went back and used Glenn's method because it does not preserve a lot of the tags and stuff, but it does all the EXIF data and puts the correct date as a created date. Very nice. Mostly. I mean, like for example, like a photo of my mother-in-law from 1952, it shows up as one one but I can live with that. But if it, if it was if it was like a specific date, it, it honors that. I didn't know you did that. I, I don't remember hearing about that. Yeah, I put that in the show notes. Uh, apparently, Good. I did this. Um, the last commit was August of 2014, but it still works fine. It was based on a little script that uh, that that somebody wrote, and then I made a bunch of tweaks to it, and then a whole bunch of people helped me by making their own, you know, pull requests and made it even better. Good, uh, so good, good. it's uh if you if you like running things on the command line this will download all the full size original images right off of your Flickr and it's a little I wanted to learn at the time I wanted to learn python and so this was a, a nice way for me to learn python and you were uh, keeping tabs on it mm-hmm. and then never never use mm-hmm. python again which is the correct well, correct thing to do that's the correct thing to do you go back to pearl mm-hmm. uh i put this in the show notes this is from 2017 january 5th of this year um and this is a little more hacky but you know with services like you know um the apple photos thing has gotten way better about like putting all your stuff in the cloud i've got lots of capacity there i i do really really like google photos i've dipped my toe into amazon photos a little bit. Um, and like a lot of people, I guess, I just feel like that's just valuable enough that on the one hand, I don't want it locked up in one place. And on the other hand, I do want it to be sort of um, redundantly, you know, backed up and available. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah. So how to download your Flickr photo library and transfer it to Google Photos or iCloud library. I liked it. I liked notes. it. That one takes it right into iCloud. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What I do is what I did for this was <clears throat> on one of my uh, giant ass that's a technical term. On one of my giant ass external drives, <laughs> I just basically um, I just created a new folder at the top level 
and down this is super boring but i use glenn's trick and i, I don't have that many i had like i don't know 3500 photos something like that and like a, a lot of people have 20,000 photos on Flickr, um and just downloaded it the tricky part is that on the one hand it does get i imagine this is happening at the middle to top layer of the stack it will sometimes kind of like crash or seem to hang but like once you, put, you so what you could do is say like okay find everything and he shows you how to go in and using the explore like is it organize the organize tab you can go in and basically say select all this stuff from two thousand four and create a new album called two thousand four et cetera et cetera et cetera and then when you go to download it what you do is you just hover over when you go to the albums page this is all in the tutorial you hover over and you'll see the little down pointing arrow and then what it will do is say okay well here's one two three zip files to download and it doesn't always get them. So you kind of got to like watch it to make sure you got them all. And then um, my only addition would be on the one hand, do it at a top layer that's currently not being gobbled up actively by something like Google photos. Um, and what I did was I, I had command C in the, my downloads folder and then mm, option command V of the zip file option command V that into your new folder on your external drive. So you're, you're, it's a lot faster, obviously, to just, on the one hand, copy and paste a zip file. But also, if you don't know it, uh, this is a good trick uh, in modern Mac world. Command And then Option-Command-V, uh, what would you call that? It's, it's like you've done a cut and paste. Mm. It doesn't keep it in the old place. Do, am, I, am I putting that correctly? I, I think you are, yeah. Yeah, well, that way you don't have like, you know, uh, five gigabytes of stuff sitting in your folder you don't need in two places. And then unzip it all from there. Check the names. Look for if you see a two at the end of the folder and not a one, you need to go back and make sure you get part one of that archive. And then, you know, if you're satisfied with the results, I would go through and look at it all. Um, then you can just copy or paste or move that into wherever it gets gobbled up by um, by your um, Google Photos. The other suggestion I would make is um, when I brought those into photos, something I like to do just because I'm kind of anal about this is I, I'll create a new album in photos. In this case, Flickr import and then the date. And I'll copy copy all that into there. there. If there's any reason to need to go check on duplicates and stuff like that, it's good to know that everything you imported that one time is in this album. You can find it all there. This is helpful, helpful photo stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I was thinking about a lot about Flickr about a week or two ago when I got my bill, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's so sad. Yeah. I mean, Flickr used to be like th the best, the best. community. I mean, before yes. there was a Twitter and, and everything else like this Instagram. was like, before Instagram, yeah. it was like, it was a really nice community of people. It really was. And, and Instagram just came in and completely changed the way we think about photos and sharing and instagram remains the one social network that i enjoy using and i look forward yeah. to to using that's what people that's what people say it's like it's it hasn't gotten ugly and dumb yet it's mostly positive yeah and if i mean obviously if you paste a photo and people don't like it or something they'll they'll be jerks in the comments but there's always jerks in the comments and mm -hmm. overall that it doesn't seem to be polluted in quite the same way and maybe it's because it's uh it's phone only i don't know what what the mentality is that's different but 
there's something different about sitting in front of your computer with the keyboard and the screen and the angry look on your face and the typing the mean things that doesn't seem to translate as much to like the casual lightness of just using your phone to you know, and flicking your thumb to swipe through uh, photos from your friends of beautiful places and food and their pets, you know, like it's, a, mm-hmm. it just creates a very different vibe. And, and I really enjoy Instagram. I really enjoy, it's a great way for me to, you know, people often would say, well, I only use Facebook to keep up with my friends or to look at my family's photos or, you know, whatever that goes on there. And for me, anytime I go to Facebook, I do have a Facebook account. It's just, it's overwhelming the amount of crap that is on my, is it my wall? Is it my stream? Is it a river? I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah. Timeline, whatever you call it. It's garbage. I can't, there's too much there. There's too many ads. And yeah, there's an ad here and there on uh, on Instagram. But I find a lot of the ads are actually okay. I don't, I, yeah. you know, they're, they're okay. I, I don't think I know anybody, or I feel like I... This is probably just my own bias, but I feel like it's been at least a couple of years since I've met anybody who looks forward to using Facebook. Yeah. It feels like something a lot of people do out of obligation, sometimes to their family. I mean, my family thinks I'm nuts. We're like, where's the pictures of the kid? And I'm like, well, I can give you pictures, but like, I'm not going to go be in this horrible place to do that. Right. Um, but the other thing, I mean, there's so many things that have changed. <clears throat> this is an incredibly obvious thing to say, but it's worth pausing sometimes to notice how much things have changed. As somebody who downloaded, uh, recently downloaded every Flickr photo I've taken since, you know, many old photos I scan, but also really from when I was using my Samsung flip phone to take photos. On the one hand, oh my goodness, the early, the photos I would take on my flip phone are crazy. It's like somebody smeared Vaseline on a daguerreotype. They're so, they're, they're, they're almost inexplicably crappy. The early iPhone p- photos or like, you know, even photos I took with my little Canon. Like, first of all, obviously, like the photos I'm taking with my current phone are bananas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's And you're, very, you're on the 7 me, Plus? Yeah, I got a new one. Okay. But the point is that the, any phone you've gotten in the last three years from Apple has an amazing camera on it. That's one that's so obvious that it just sits in plain sight. Another one is that really, I mean, I think one of the great things Apple's done on iOS is extensions. Now it is so easy. If you have this app installed or if you want to send this thing to that place, I mean, next to what? Next to copy and paste? <clears throat> copy and paste? I mean, extensions have got to be one of the hugest developments. I mean, think about how hard it used to be to get stuff off of your phone to somewhere else all the way back to the palm days but now it really is as simple as just a click click and you put this someplace where you want it to be and you've still got the high quality version the quality of the apps themselves have come so far um the speed of what we get over what i the speed i get over lte i think i mentioned this to you but we stayed in a hotel a couple weeks ago and i paid for the premium you know, the premium, really nice Wi-Fi service. I was like, oh, ugh, I got to use this. I'm going to use a VPN. <clears throat> I did a quick speed test. I was getting twice the speed of the Wi-Fi network over LTE. Unbelievable. In downtown San Francisco, during the Salesforce conference, I was still getting twice Wi-Fi over LTE, which is bananas. And I do burn through my data pretty much every month. But I'm just saying, like, it's it makes it i guess what i'm trying to say is it makes it all the more amazing that Flickr accomplished what they did at that time that they created what i will probably always consider the first truly great web 2.0 app i mean things like 
what preceded Pinboard? Delicious. Like Delicious was a was a great app. Oh yeah. Is that what it was called? Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the bookmarking yeah. service. Yeah. And it had the was a, funny domain name, delish.us yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, there were certainly, there were really, really good apps, but between the 37 Signals folks and um, Flickr, Flickr in particular was such a joy to use. And whenever they put out that early kind of second version with the Ajax interface for uploading, it was like, it was magical. The idea of being able to drag a photo into an area of a web page and have it do something was magical. And then of course, just the community that built around that, that they accomplished all of that at a time when most of us were using flip phones. I mean, obviously sure. There were people using Nikons and Canons and putting it on Flickr. Absolutely. No question. But that required like an app on, you had to go and download those photos onto your Macintosh. Then you had to go and get an app. Like Fraser Spears had a, had an app for doing this, like for doing like big uploads to Flickr. And I don't know, I just think it makes it all the more amazing that they accomplished what they did at that time. It really does. It. it really does. And I miss it too. It, we That really, and in as much as Instagram changed everything about it today, Flickr, I think, did even more back in the day for, for photos. Because until that time, like you say, like photos were things you printed out. And I think Flickr really right. changed the the perspective on you know what no it, maybe we're not going to print these things out because instead we're going to just put them up here and then you can see them and weren't there services mm-hmm. that plugged into Flickr that let you like print from Flickr I know Instagram oh, had yeah, some they of those had a, too they, but. They, I remember the first time I did that was um, they had um, you could basically select an album or whatever any ad hoc collection of photos and have them printed out I know at one time definitely you could do it at Target and then I feel like eventually that became Walgreens. I would be surprised if that weren't true today. You could, you could do that. Yeah. Here's another thing. And this is, you got to remember the days before YouTube, the days before, I mean, it, it was a big deal that you could upload that many photos. On the one hand, A, that you could upload that many photos to one place. You could pick who got to see them. This almost live journal level of like privacy settings of like who was allowed to see stuff. Was it friends? Was it family? Is it public? Is it private? All of those things. That was all terrific. But then setting, setting aside like how amazing it was that they would foot the bill for something that was very costly at the time, unless you had a Libsyn account or even if you had a hosted account, you couldn't afford to put that much stuff online and serve it. That was crazy. But even with that, your way to develop a rep for yourself as someone on Flickr, and I, I like the fact that I developed a little bit of a rep on Flickr. Everybody wants that on their service was by curating. Where you know you could upload a hundred photos from Thanksgiving, but then you could choose the two or three best that you would make public, which was a, a very I feel like a paradigmatically different approach than going in with your one ten twenty exposure film to Eckerd's and walking away with you know doubles of all these photos that were just garbage. In this case, you were curating maybe in a way that has, is now a little excessive, let's say on Instagram Kardashians, but now you, <laughs> you know, that that's where that started was that you could have the best of both worlds. You could have all of your stuff in what would become the cloud fairly securely. But at the same time, you could also have a timeline that was not going to overwhelm people with 60 photos of the slides you saw at a conference. Right. And that's, I think that's something that showed, like you were saying, like that's the expert user who understands that I'm using Flickr as like, this is where I put all my photos. Now they go here onto Flickr, but the ones that are interesting, those are the ones that I'll let any, just anybody go and see. And I'll make these albums. And the, the whole concept of making the albums was pretty cool. Yes. And it didn't exist. I mean, the fact that it, and all this, this is, sounds so crazy to talk about, you know, over 10 years on, but the idea that these were all, 
non-destructive things that just because people didn't see it, couldn't see it, didn't mean it wasn't there. That was cool. So again, I, I've always, I've for years now, for 15 years, um, coming up on 20 years, I would laud LiveJournal as being way ahead of the curve on this. You could have extremely specific groups of two people that could see this post. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. You still don't see that level of granularity like you'd like to. Um, but then also that um, you could... I've got some photos that exist in probably five different albums. It was I want to say non-destructive. If you, it wasn't you were moving it to this, it was just choose the albums where this will appear. So that takes a little bit of thinking from a developer standpoint to say that like this is I don't know what kind of crazy left joints you got to do to come up with something like that, but say that this photo of Merlin from when he was thirteen appears in the military school album. It also appears in the crazy hair journey. Uh, one and the like, you know, whatever the Merlin kissing statues. Mm-hmm. Album. These are all like <laughs> in different places. So, um, so, you know, nothing to slag on Flickr. I guess I just, it's, I don't mean, it sounds like we're doing a, a eulogy or something here, but um, it's, it's photos in particular, are something that, you know, it's so easy for them to just go away. And uh, I think it's good to be kind of careful about where you keep them backed up. Yeah. And that's the thing you can't, especially when it comes to photos, like you can't have too many backups of the photos you know you, you can have them on Flickr. On, you can have them on yeah. your computer you back up your computer have them on another thing i mean get them everywhere my only cautionary my only cautionary tale on that from my own point of view is at a certain point in the last 10 years storage space become a lot became a lot less costly right we've talked about this before but there was a time when i knew exactly what was on every single piece of media there was actually a paid market for apps that would catalog the contents of each zip and jazz drive before it was ejected. So you could do searches across removable media. I knew what I had, I had apps that would catalog what was on backup disks that were offsite in a safe. And now today I have collections of four, 500 meg disks with a rubber band around them that I know go in one of the Drobos from some time. Like I'm not even sure what's even on those. I don't know if any of them are corrupted. I don't know if I could get in. And I just have this niggling feeling that on somewhere on many of these drives, there's stuff that I don't have anywhere else. Mm. And I'm intimidated to even go and look. Mm. So, you know, that's bad hygiene on my part by not being more careful about what gets backed up where, but you know, belt and suspenders. It doesn't hurt to have things like Time Machine, you know, like Backblaze, like rotating offsite backups. You know, at this point, it's just a question of like kind of how you want to roll in terms of do you want a NAS or do you want a big drive? I'm kind of in the market for making my own new big external drive right now. I got to get my head around the NAS. I find it very intimidating. You have one though, don't you? Have, you've got a beautiful Synology. I have a beautiful Synology that I find very intimidating to use. That's, but, I think, you know, was the selling point for the Drobo was that it, it was or is very easy to use, that you don't really need to do very much idiot with proof. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, I mean, I remember they, I feel like maybe they sent me one back in the day on MacBreak Weekly and I bought a second one on my own. And it was just so cool that like if one of the drives failed, you just pop it out like a toaster and pop a new one in. You'd have to know, you didn't have to know from, uh, what are the different methods? What's that called? Um, Oh, yeah, uh, the different uh, types of RAID, RAID 0, RAID 1, yeah, RAID 5. Yeah, you didn't have, yeah. To, have to be an expert on what kind of RAID configuration you were using. Well, and, and you know, it's Drobo's own kind of RAID behind the scenes anyway. And the only thing that you could really change or can really change about it is how much redundancy it has. And so you can... Right. How in- much disk space you kind of give away for redundancy. That's right. And you can you can essentially 
cut in half the amount of storage space you have by doubling the redundancy and if you have the drives for it and that just gives you like the ability to remove half the drives and you still don't lose anything right. uh, i still use a drobo here it's right here um on, <laughs> on under the desk and and that's where i store all of the you know when we record a show that's where the original source for all the shows no goes yeah right here that's so cool i have one sitting right here little orange light is on i have no idea if any of these drives work i haven't opened it in a very long time but this one let's is not, let's not speak of it oh my god Sorry this is this different. one has the it has a thunderbolt interface on it and it's got uh i upgraded it by installing some kind of little this is such a, a couple of year three years ago i don't remember but there you get like what is essentially like an sd card type type situation that's like one mm-hmm. of these um flash hard drives that fits in a little slot on the bottom of it that increases its ability to do caching and writing significantly what? yeah like so a USC, a usb key no it's a um it's Flash a card it's like yeah it's like a little card that installs permanently in the bottom of it and it looks just like a it looks like ram basically uh, but it's a writable drive of some kind i used to know uh, shame on me for not knowing more about <laughs> this and, it, and i n- knew enough to install it and then quickly forgot about it because it increased the performance of the drobo dramatically because i guess it, it ha- it's like you write to this little drive and then it spins it off to the disks it's almost like adding RAM. So you're exactly, saying. yeah, very similar mm-hmm. to that. And and so I've got, but I've had this thing. I've got it full of drives, and um, you know, I've lost a drive and pop a new one in, like you say, and it, it just it just works. And you know, shame on them for not sponsoring anymore. Mm, sickening. One more plug, uh, somewhat advisably. Proceed with caution. Your mileage may vary, but. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those things where like I don't love this app but I don't love using it it's kind of hacky boy I'm good at damning with faint praise but I do use it and I do like it and I'm very glad it's there uh, it's called Duplicate Annihilator which is a hell of a name Duplicate Annihilator in this case for photos you can also get it for iPhoto you can get it for iOS that's weird Duplicate Annihilator is this really <laughs> you can tell it's made by an engineer but basically you point it at your photos app library and it has all kinds of tweaking you can do to be specific about what constitutes a duplicate, but it runs, I think out of the box, it runs in what it calls restrictive mode, which it looks for like a 100% absolute, this is a duplicate. Like, I, I mean, I, I want to say every pixel of this plus the naming and metadata is identical because mm-hmm. that's that's the main kind of like low-hanging fruit for duplicates. If you're getting a lot of duplicates, especially when you're syncing up, I find that for some reason there are these mystery meat series is of photos that just keep re and re and reappearing. I don't know what's causing this one time. My daughter and I played with photo booth at the library or photo, photo, photo booth here at my office. We've got like these 40 photos <laughs> that keep getting multiple, multiple <laughs> copies, these janky, like bad green screen with Dr. Who backgrounds and stuff. And it just keeps reappearing. And so sometimes I'll just run duplicate annihilator and that's, uh, I put it in show notes. That's a good, uh, good enough way to at least take out the easy duplicates in your collection. I like that. They're helping people. Pro tip. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Um, I want to hear about something you like, but I've got some follow-up from listeners about fonts. I've got a suggested podcast episode that I mentioned to you and I've got up to three questions from listeners. All right. Up to three. Uh, well, you decide it's your show. Would okay. you like to tell me about something else that you like? Yeah, I'd like to tell you about a new sponsor. It's called Circle with Disney. and uh, Circle! This is a very beautiful little device. But before I tell you about it, like I'll tell you what the, the problem is. 
and this is obviously, you heard me say Disney, this is a kid thing. We live in this great time, right? Where we and our kids have access to the internet and all of these little devices. And as a parent, we have the imp- kind of impossible job of trying to let our kids get access to the stuff that they should be able to get access to, the stuff that's okay for them by how whatever measure we decide things are okay or not okay. Uh, but keep them from getting access to things maybe we don't think are okay or even a more uh, serious problem in, for some people getting their kids to stop using their device or setting limits around what it is that they can do. And that's what circle uh, with Disney tries to uh, tries to, and I think does do a very good job of solving. This is a beautiful little device. It's designed for families to manage the content and the time online for all of the devices in your home. And it'll, it pairs with your Wi-Fi router. Almost, it works with almost all of them. I'm not sure which ones it doesn't work with because I tried it actually with a few different ones and it worked just fine. It worked out of the box with my Eero. Yeah. I mean, it, it even works. even like identifies, you get like a pop-up on screen like, hey, I've, I've identified this new device on the network. Right. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. We didn't have to do, we didn't have to do anything at the level of the <clears throat> router. It just worked. It just works, right. And, uh, and so it recognizes every device that connects to it, tablets, uh, Macs, you know, smartphones, Chromebooks, like whatever you have. And you set up a different profile for each member of the family so that you can control what their, that individual's experience is. So you or your spouse, of course, you want to have access to everything all the time, but maybe you have different rules for different kids. So the little one's iPad doesn't necessarily get the same access as the older one's computer does, right? So you can, you can create all that, but it's so simple to do this. Like this is not, a technical thing. You don't have to be like a tech savvy person. This is like a regular human being with basic experience can completely tune this thing uh, because there's really not much that, that you need to do. It's just designed to be simple. So what can you do? You can filter content. You can customize what's available and, and what's filtered by, based on the application, based on the platform, based on the category. You can set time limits for online activity. Like they can be on YouTube, but they can only be on YouTube for 15 minutes. Or they can play Minecraft, but they can only play Minecraft for an hour. Uh, All of it, even Netflix, Snapchat, I mean, you name it. And also like if you find that your kid's like staying up too late, like sneaking onto their tablet, you can set a bedtime for the device so that, you know, I mean, like they've thought of everything. And they even have this one, I I love this feature. it's, It's a pause button it pauses the internet completely. So like <laughs> your kid won't come down to eat dinner. You can just pause the internet right then. Like it's amazing. And they even have, uh, the, you know, they, they wanted people to be able to do this. Cause you know, like as they get into their teen years, they've probably got a smartphone. There's something called circle go that lets you take all of these settings on your kid's device when they're out of the house, when they connect to 4g, LTE, Wi-Fi, some other Wi-Fi network, it, it preserves those settings Anyway, this is great. You can get this pretty much anywhere. You can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Best Buy, you can get it on Target, you can get it on Walmart. Use the code back to work at Meet Circle, M E E T Circle, to get free shipping and $10 off your Circle with Disney device. And uh, you got to use that code back to work, all one word. And uh, you'll get your first month free. Go check this thing out. This is really nice. Disney, meet them. Go meet them. Meet the Circle. MeetCircle.com. Back to work gets you $10 off and free shipping. Thanks very much to Circle with Disney for supporting the show. Buck, buck. Sent you a link in the... Uh, oh. 
All right, let me go look at that. I'm clicking. Mm-hmm. Command, shift, shift, delete. Click. Click over here. Oh. Yeah, no. 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 So it's been a big week. <laughs> no, don't. Huge week. Uh, thanks to uh, several. <clears throat> thanks to mm. three rings. Three meat circus. <laughs> um, wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, the show no, will never air. No, no. No, yes. Uh, hello. Contemporaneously. Uh, contemporaneously, that's right. <laughs> Hakuna Matata, the circle of life. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, my God. Reset. Resetting to one, everybody. Uh, let's take five. Oh, my God. Hello. I would just like to say thank you to everybody for following up on my font challenge. Which was that uh, I had this very strange request where I'd seen videos by uh, uh, featuring Brian Cox, no relation, <laughs> and uh, it was by this Arizamas. Uh, it was some Russian YouTube channel, and I had said, "Hey, go look at these ancient Greek and ancient uh, Rome videos and tell me what typeface is being used in these because I love it." And I would like to thank, and, and so I'm going to, first I'm going to say thank you like a gentleman, and then I'm going to sound a little defensive. So, A, thank you to everyone who did this for telling me that the fonts that are used in those videos are lava and formula. And uh, I think it's uh, brown bear, brown hole, brown fox. Brown fox, maybe, makes formula, formula, <laughs> the secret formula. Mm-hmm. Get away from my secret formula! <laughs> I told you! <laughs> Stay out of Daddy's attic! That for Daddy's attic has the formula! <laughs> And also lava. Uh, so thank you to the many people. I think the first one was listener. I want to say Jen, like live during the show, uh, came up with this. Um, so I want to say first of all, with with total grace and dignity and and gratitude, I want to say thank you very much to everybody for doing that. Now, with that said, I would like to say two things about myself that will hopefully hopefully show you I am not a complete dumbass. I will never prove to you that I am not a complete dumbass because I am at least partly a dumbass. But here's two things to know. First of all. I did have the presence of mind to go and do a Google search on the name of the channel and font because I thought I would try just for fun. And turns out, while I was looking at the screen of my Apple TV TV, this becomes important, uh, I was able to go in and see that, yes, these did look like the typefaces because I found a site that said, hey, this is what these people use. Hmm. And it said it said lava and formula. But I couldn't know for sure because I was watching this on my TV if I had been looking at it on anything else at the time at like 8.30 on a Monday night, I would have known to be, do a screen grab and upload it to one of, one of the very now, many... What, what's that font.net or whatever? Yeah, what the font is one. There's yeah. a whole bunch. These have been around for a long time. And I just wanted to say in my own... I, I, did, I did have a reckon that it was lava and formula. What I will tell you also, uh, listener Lisa, thank you, thank you, uh, listener Craig. Uh, I uh, I don't have the eye for typefaces that a lot of my friends have. Like John Gruber can see an aerial across the room, even with his bad eye. Like I I, I cannot I cannot identify fonts well. At I, I used to be okay good at it. I have neither the memory nor the eye for catching that. Uh, and so those are great sites. I remember, now talk about the web 2.0. Gather around, children, I'm going to tell you the secret formula. <laughs> it was miraculous when these sites first appeared because you could do a screen grab of something and upload it 
And it would say – in the early days, it was like, okay, I've seen the font you uploaded. Is it more like this or more like that? And you do like a little eye test with it and eventually it would arrive and it's one of these five. But they got so good that if you could upload like a paragraph of text or like a headline, like way over 90% of the time, it would just nail it on the first try. And it's you know frequently one of the uh, popularly sold or pirated you know typefaces that everybody uses. Anyway, I just wanted to say to everybody involved, thank you for participating. And hopefully you won't think I'm too much of a dumbass. I was aware of that. I did not have a way to screen grab my OLED TV and then make that go to the font site. So that's why I wasn't able to do that. Formula, lava, and formula. Now, see, now I sound ungracious. I sound ungrateful. No, you, I sound don't. Like you don't at all. I'm shaming people. I just, you know, just saying. Circle of life. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to interrupt your... Uh... Please interrupt. You know, where you're going. But I have, a, I have a, a bit of a problem, a technical problem that I was thinking only our listeners could help us with, help me with. Do, 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 do. Dan's concerns. It's Dan's concerns. Dan's got a concern <laughs> about something he's concerned with. Dan. All right. Uh, I have an Apple TV. It is not the brand new 4K version, but it's the one that came right before that with the horrible remote. The, three, the 3K version. Yes, the, three, the 3K mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have never had any problems with it so far. It's always behaved pretty well, except for the things that we talked about that were niggles that we had, little little issues and things like that here and there. But no, no true problems, uh, especially with this one, uh, compared to the older ones that used to where I used to get spinning and things like that. Well, I've got a spinning a spinning problem again. So. I buy content on iTunes for shows that I enjoy watching. One of them is uh, Mr. Robot. And I hadn't started watching Mr. Robot uh, at all yet this season. I wanted to let some of the episodes kind of build up before I jumped in. And there, But we do have other shows. Um, American Horror Story is one. And of course, you know my guilty pleasure, The Real Housewives of, uh, of Orange County. There is a number of shows that we watch on iTunes that I buy and then we watch them in our uh, family room on the Apple TV. And so I got Mr. Robot and it was time to watch the first episode of Mr. Robot. And uh, the first episode went fine. I enjoyed the, the episode. The content was, uh, was good. Good start to the new season. A few days went by and now it was time to watch episode two. So I went to go into Mr. Robot. I had not yet even picked an episode to watch, just going to, uh, you know, iTunes TV shows going into that and selecting the Mr. Robot uh, cover art that will then take you in and show you the episodes, not, not yep. picking even an episode yet at this You're point at the season at the season level, the season level picking mm-hmm. season three and the spinner just spins. And I actually tried it out. What if I just go away from it and let it do its thing? How long will it spin? It spun. I came back half an hour later, still spinning. So there are a number of wow. things, yeah, a number of things that I tried. Needless to say, uh, that is not how we were able to watch Mr. Robot. Uh, I had to, well, so let me, let me walk you through some of the things that I've tried. Obviously, I've tried rebooting the Apple TV multiple times and in different ways, both by unplugging it and also just by doing the restart option. Um, I have, uh, I'm, I'm able to play all other iTunes content, both TVs and movies from any other season of any TV show that I've ever bought on iTunes. Uh, they're all there. They all play fine. It's only Mr. Robot that doesn't play, perhaps ironically. 
um, mm. all the other movies and things like that play. Mr. Robot, any episode of any season, they all play just fine on every other iOS device that I have, my phone, uh, the iPad that we have, etc. So the way that I've been watching it is by streaming it from uh, from my iPad to the Apple TV, that'll play fine. We have an Apple TV on another TV in another room. It plays Mr. Robot just fine. I uh, even logged into it with my friend's Apple TV and it uh, into my account and was able to play Mr. Robot just fine on that one. So I asked on Twitter and I got a, a lot of people were suggesting that I should... Um, that I should play it on another device and that would free it up. But obviously I've like done unstick that. Unstick it. Unstick it. And it, that hasn't worked. The only thing I have not tried and I'm not going to try. <laughs> logging out? Is, no, I did try logging out. Thank you for You're reminding kidding. me. No, I did. I did. I, I, oh, I, I logged out. I rebooted it while I was logged out. I logged back in. I rebooted it again. Uh, that didn't do anything at all. Um, the only thing I haven't done is like a complete reset and erase and wipe of the system and i'm not going to do that because i have too many damn apps on there that have been logged in and i don't i the idea of setting that thing back up i would rather just throw it out and get a you know roku yeah get a roku or something but Mm -hmm. so i i don't expect you to have the answer but i would love to hear from people who have run into something like this again i i can play the content and have played the content let's be let's be very let's be very specific because i can tell you all the things i would have done which you have done step number one is to menu out and go back in. Right. Step no, and I know you, I know you know this, but I'm telling the viewer that I you can solve many. You can get through this cascade of small Apple hangups, and and just, I'm going to tell you things here, listener, that you're going to get mad about because no one ever needs to quit an app. Shut your whore mouth. Number one, you menu out, you go back in. <laughs> right. Number two, quit the app. Trust me, quit the app. And you do that by hitting TV icon twice and then swiping up. Yes. It does make a difference. A lot of times things will not load on YouTube until you do that, and then it works fine. That is true. Uh, the other one then is to um, do a restart of the Apple TV. I know you all know this. Shut up. Remember? Shutting your whore mouth. You do that. You restart it. And then uh, then what I would say is double check for a uh, system update. Sometimes, this is going to sound crazy. This could be just a um, coincidence, but sometimes I'll notice a couple things seeming weird about the TV. And I'm on the beta channel, I should mention. But I'll notice a couple things seeming weird. And then I'll think to go and look for a system update. And there is a system update. And I run it. And guess what? I don't have that problem after the restart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you why. My, my gander on this is that I'll bet it does some, f- what I'm just going to call flushing of a cache when you do a system update. Sure. I bet, I bet it does something. That when you imagine it does something deeper than a simple just turn the power on and off that it's probably doing some flushing I, yeah, on some I think, level? I think it has to be, yeah. There's something that's getting purged, and uh, and I wish there was some kind of software update that I could use. And that's what that was. What I was going to ask you is, do you think if I like went to the beta, if there is a current beta, like... Do you think that would? I bet. It, I bet. I you know. I bet it would. I bet there's a gremlin in there somewhere. Yeah. Like it's you know like one of those dumb things again. It's like the classic, the corrupted font on a Mac. Right. Like this really really <laughs> dumb thing that like you're not even using that's causing a problem and you don't know why. So I'm. And so first of all, just to stipulate. First of all, I know you know. I know you know all these things. B. I know you've done all these things. C. I know our listener. My God, of course you know all of these things. You're so smart. Um, those are all the things that I would try. Logging out and in, the thing is you found the really befuddling part, which it is, which is that it works okay on another Apple TV, which would seem to say it's not a problem 
it's with right. It's your not a problem. With, right. It's not a problem with my account. It is not a it's problem. Not, it's not a problem with that show season or episode per se. It's not a problem with my upstream provider. It's not a problem right. with Apple to me. It's, it knocks out a lot of possibilities. It's just something with that specific that Apple TV specific and episode, that show. Well, right. that speci- that, well that, not even that, 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 that episode on that TV. Well, I can't get it to play any episodes anymore. I'm go, just going into Mr. Robot at the season level and nothing nothing happens i can't i can't rewatch episode number 1 i can't play episode number 2 i can't see any episodes at all oh and there's something else someone said is oh right you just need to go in using the tv app don't go in with oh, itunes tv, TV shows app. go in with the tv mm-hmm. oh i did that it's just stupid dan why don't you use tv app dummy didn't work yeah i mean all i all i've got is short of throwing it out the window is totally unplug it like when you're not using it for most of the day and plug it back in because just because it's, you know, like I say, I think it's a gremlin. I think there's something in there that's just weird. And I wonder if letting it power all the way, all the way down unplugged. I know that that is the, but you're the guy, in, you're the guy that told me that, uh, yeah. that when, when you call the cable company and say, Hey, my, my, my internet router is not working right. And they say, okay, unplug it and then touch, touch the, blow the dust out. Yeah. Touch the, the connection or something and then plug it back in. The, the reason that they do that is just because they want to make sure that you've actually unplugged it and you're not just like, yeah, yeah, I unplugged it. Right. Uh, are you right. saying the, the, that it's that, an old, it's an old, the old customer. No, no, I'm not doing that. Cause you know, I love you and I trust you. The, um, the old conventional wisdom in customer service was if it's a hardware thing and you say to the person, could you try turning it off and turning it back on to a person, especially if it's a man, the person will always say, well, of course I did that. <laughs> and you say, well, okay, listen, I just need to tick this box before I escalate you to my boss, the manager. And I just need to ask you, could you shut the item all the way down? And we have to try something really crazy. I need you to go over and physically unplug it from the wall. Hold it for a second. Inspect it. Look for any dust or other specks and just blow out the prongs. <laughs> just make sure there's no dust in the prongs of the electric. You plug it back in and power it back up. And the story goes... That the reason you do that is a you make sure the person has actually powered it off and on and left it off for a minute, like mm-hmm. for a second at mm-hmm. least, right? There's that. Um, did they actually try powering it down and back up? Um, B. So this ensures that they literally unplugged it from the wall. But C. Importantly, it gives them the chance to salvage their dignity by then getting to say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that fixed it." Right. That's the brilliant part. The brilliant, it isn't just that you get them to do the thing they swore they've already done. It's that now they can salvage their dignity and go, oh, perfect. That fixed it. It must have been dust in the prongs. But, you know, like I say, like I've got the, uh, I've got that dingus here at the office that turns my router, turns off the power strip to my router and my um, modem for five minutes every night. Now, this is, you know, Syracuse's classic, like, why do we cut the ends off the roast kind of thing, where, like, I haven't had problems since then. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, doing a full power cycle really seems to be a nice nap for a lot of electronic devices. I'm keen to find out what this is, though, because I'm not the smartest bear, but, like, I, this does sound like an interesting problem. 
just this one first episode, but now that particular right. show. That's right. a very interesting problem. You know, <clears throat> the other thing that somebody had suggested is that I should um, completely, re- as kind of maybe you sort of just suggested, is that I should reset my entire internet, that is, reboot the cable modem, reset the router, and things like that. Yeah, and the, the other Apple TV's on that one, right? But that's the thing, is that the, lots of other yeah. devices are on it, and they all play it just fine, and then, but the person said, no, maybe something with this one, it went to a thing, and but... I would think a reboot and a hard reboot should have fixed that. But, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna try. I'm going to unplug it. Let it uh, I got a crazy, it I got a crazy idea that is based on nothing at all, which is that I wonder... I wonder if there... Have you ever... Of course you've experienced... Experienced that thing where something doesn't work because the interface is not operating correctly. Like everything is fine except there's something wrong with this button. Mm-hmm. Like you ever had like a web page that comes up and like it doesn't work, but then you reload it and it works. Definitely. And who knows? Maybe that ping didn't get fully loaded, so right. technically it wasn't clickable or something. I wonder if there's something in the interface of this. Ah, this is so dumb. But I wonder if you could even do something like go in and change the frame rate or go in and change something really dumb. Oh, right. Like get it to four. I, I, mean, I know new, this is impossible. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is totally impossible. But if it is something vaguely interface cache related, if you were to go in, like with mine, I've got a million options because of the 4K-ness of it. There's a million options for like frame rate. Do you want Dolby this? Do you want that? Etc. I wonder if something as dumb as go in and tell it you want it to be 720 and see if it works. And that changes it, go and change it back to 1080 and see if that makes any difference. Like that could, that might tease out your gremlin. That's worth a shot too. I hadn't thought of that. I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd do any good. And then, then other people are like, well, you're just going to have to call Apple. Yeah. Take it in. Yeah. I'm going to have to run some diagnostic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. My recent Apple experience was crazy. What happened? Tell me about it. Tell me all about it. I had, no, I had the world's, no, no, I would so get this woman in trouble if I talked to you about it. I had the most interesting and colorful Apple person I've ever dealt with in my life. I want to hear it. You can't say that and then not tell us about it. I would get her, I would get her in so much trouble. No one's going to know who it even is. No one even knows where you live. You're in there at 10.01. Like what people are, like there's a line of 60 people waiting for phones and she talked to me about home canning for half an hour. Really? she does her canning but that's right up your alley that's the thing you like she talked to me about what kind of pectin she uses and how she uses honey instead of sugar half an hour the phone the phone was sitting on the white table i was salivating i could have broken my record i could have been in and out of the store in six minutes i had an appointment i was there early i could have been out in six minutes she talked about canning for 20 minutes are you serious my hand of god so it's been a big week. Uh, we've got Dan. I want to mention this in passing. Uh, there's nothing really here to talk about. Something I suggested, uh, not suggested. Something I referred to you that I want to refer our audience to. Ezra Klein, uh, the guy over at Vox, has a podcast that I enjoy, and he had a really good recent episode that I really recommend to our listeners. Um, it's an episode <clears throat> called uh, What Buddhism Got Right About the Human Brain. Yes, I know. This has, if, if this had Markdown in the title, this would be the ultimate <laughs> thing you would never, ever want to <laughs> even approach listening to. It's got Buddhism, it's got a turns out, and it's got effing Vox. I understand. Run away screaming, shoot it into the sun. With that said, 
this was such a good interview. He speaks with an author, an author named Robert Wright, who you might know. He's written, he was, um, says here, I'm just going to read you what it says on the webpage. <clears throat> he's written some of the best books on religion and evolutionary psychology, including the book Non-Zero and the book The Evolution of God. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting Ezra Klein's page here. His latest book is Why Buddhism is True, and it's fantastic. I'm interested in mindfulness and so have read a lot of books on the subject. This isn't like those. It's not a how-to guide or an argument for meditation's health benefits. It's a deep dive into theories of the mind informed both by Wright's scientific background and his study and practice of Buddhism. And Dan, I, I know you have had it up to your gills with people sending you things about this kind of things, but this was so up your alley because he specifically talks about, uh, this is my words, not theirs, uh, but the failings of evolutionary biology to where like, you know, <laughs> our favorite conversation, like I'm just a guy in a room, right? Like my wiring is to be somebody who's looking for tigers around the campfire. And how is it? This is how I got a monkey mind. I got a monkey mind because my brain is not evolutionarily caught up with what's happening in the world. That's just part of it. Deep dive on all kinds of stuff about the mind and essentially just getting down to this idea that very plainly put idea that, well, you know, on the one hand, you've got <clears throat> people like Elon Musk talking about, are we living in a simulation? Something Syracuse and I have talked about on reconcilable differences. And how would you even know if you were in a simulation? In this case, it's much more simple, which is that so much, you know, you may need to go on one of those white guy 10 day meditation retreats before you can appreciate the extent to which your, so much of your sense of reality spins out of all of these things that you've just accrued and all these feelings that you have and all these kind of cognitive blinders that you have. I just thought it was a very, Interesting, illuminating, thought-provoking discussion of how it is that our sense of the world um, is not explained by Buddhism, but how Buddhism seemed to get a lot of stuff really right mm -hmm. about how we misapprehend the world through our use of our senses. And somehow deciding that it's evolutionarily, biologically positive for us to choose to see the world in these ways that are not realistic. And I just thought it was a very fascinating talk. It's in the show notes, uh, the Ezra Klein show, what Buddhism got right about the human brain. I like that. Specifically, uh, I mentioned a book I like, uh, Mindfulness in Plain English. That's a good book. Great book. And there's a mm -hmm. second one that uh, he wrote. That's Bonte G that wrote that one. Bonte G. He's the original, the OG Bonte G. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> The OG Bonnie G. Guan Gunaraton. Bonte Gunaraton. Okay. I think that's right. Very good show. Um, I got the, um, the sample on Kindle. I haven't read it yet. I want to service, Dan. I want to service out there. You know, you know, like um, what's called Run P? Do you have that app on your phone? Run P. I think that's what it's called. You're not a big urinator. I'm a big urinator, and uh, so, like, there's this app you can get. Oh, you've told me about and this. Yeah, because this movie theaters don't have pause buttons. Yeah. Am I right? Up here. So you get this app, and <laughs> this guy and his people go and see movies and take notes, and they point you to the times in the movie that are the best time to go to the bathroom during a movie to go and pee and it even has a little hidden spoiler thing that while you're peeing you can read about what you're missing and then come back in and pick right back up it's a free app yeah yeah like i went to the wonder woman bondage movie and they were like oh this is this really good movie and like the, but this is a love scene you don't want to miss that but this but that but so like i go and i pee and, I, and while i'm while i'm having my pee time it tells me what i'm missing i go right back i don't miss a beat well, let me, okay, let me ask you a couple questions about this. Um, My point is I want that for books. I want that for books. I want someone to tell me what page to turn to when the book actually starts. Wouldn't you love that? Yes. Yes. 
especially somebody who wrote a book that was famous for something else, like where you're like, oh God, at what point do we get past all of the, like what your history is? Like, tell me when the actual, for most self-help books, it's about a third of the way in. <laughs> when does this book actually start being a book and stop being about throat clearing? All right. Um, hold on. I got to see this now. What do you do? We have a theater here <laughs> called the, uh, the Alamo Draft House. Yeah. You heard of this? Do you have them? Yeah, we, we have one. Okay. Um, I'm sorry if I've asked you that already, but they you just like mentioning how, how cool it is in Austin. That's the one thing we have. Uh, you also got the ABC. We got the ABC. I mean, we have those two things. Okay. That, that no one barbecue, else has you got barbecue. We barbecue. do have that. Gr- grackles. You got grackles. Yeah, we have them, mm-hmm. but, Oh, uh, Griffin McElroy. Griff- Griffin McElroy lives there. Okay. So here's my, here's my question is, okay. So I'm, I downloaded the app while you were talking. I, Here's, really here's Coco. Here's Coco. <laughs> really, really Coco. So I'm Love that gorilla. continuing to pee times. Mm-hmm. And it says, um, we have one really good pee time and one for emergencies. That's what it says. And uh, 38 yeah. minutes and uh, 56 minutes seem to be the, the two. So that's how it works. So it's not, it's more or less telling you when you should go and when you're, you're so basically you're looking for something that it tells you. Can I, I haven't seen this movie yet, but it says 38 minutes. No, don't, don't, don't spoil it. I haven't seen it. Well, I haven't either. It just says when the artist lady says, maybe he is just a dog. That's time. That means you go. So you wait run. for that. Is and that how tells this works? You, yeah. So what happens is, I mean, it's a, it's a very ugly and undependable app that is still awesome. So basically you go pull up your move. You're sitting in your seat. You're watching uh, Maria Bartiromos or whatever her name is with her, with her, uh, with her behind the scenes of what's happening with Microsoft and USA shows this week. Right. I go to too many movies. And then, uh, and it says, okay, when the logo for A24 comes up or whatever, Mm -hmm. hit the timer. And it's not super dependable. I try to leave it running and like as the front app, but but it should give you a buzz. Like it should give you like a notification when it's time to go. Oh, oh, it will. I get it. So you're not, you're not having to necessarily wait I find it a little undependable, but it does theoretically vibrate. I'm also kind of watching it just to be sure. Well, that answers the question. That's what I was going to say at the Alamo because they they don't want you to like pull your phone out. Like you can get kicked out of the theater if you do that. Cool. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. So that, but this answers the thing is that if this is going to vibrate, then that's how you know. Oh, sweet Jesus. The last movie I went to. Oh my God. There was this guy. I swear to God. I thought this guy could have been like a Charlie Todd, like improv everywhere character. He came in during the credits with about $1,400 worth of snacks. He sat down. He ate and groaned. Ate and groaned. No. Really? And then he'd crump, literally crumple up like a jujubees or like, like, a, like a crackly pack and like literally throw it on the ground. And he'd lean back and the chair would creak. Uh, and then when he was done with his snacks, some point halfway through, oh, also he was talking on his phone. At first, I thought he was talking to himself. He was also talking on his phone throughout the thing to somebody a lot of the time. Partway into act one, he fell asleep and started snoring. You gotta be kidding me. He was, I guess he was a little winded from all of his snacks. And me, you know me, I'm a Buddhist. Right, mm-hmm. sure. But at one point, a guy, and there was a total of like seven people in the whole theater, Finally, this this guy parked way toward the end of Act One. A guy comes up and like shakes him and goes, "Sir, you're snoring really loud." 
He's like, wow. And then he somehow he reaches into his blouse and pulls out yet another box of snacks and tucks into that. My God. And like, I, you know me, you know how I am, but I was kind of a little bit tempted. What was this during? Oh, it was during something really good. It was during, um, wasn't Thor, but it was during something really good that I've been looking forward to. And, um, yeah, super, super frustrating. So anyway, that app's pretty good. This is so, and it's, I, I don't feel like it's crazy dependable, but like it's good enough. Good to know though. I'm a big peer. You know, I, I drink a lot and I get the large, so I get the free refill. It's the only time I drink Coke really. It's not a movie. See, I don't think that this is uh, a widely known app and I don't think it has much competition. Hmm. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, did you have something else to tell me about that you like? RX bars, man. Oh, come on. Look at this right here. You got one? Which one are you, which one are you eating in, your, in the movie? Thing? Was that what he was? I hope that wasn't what the guy was You know was which eating. one I've got. Three egg whites, six almonds, four cashews, two dates, no BS, chocolate, sea salt. I'm going to eat it while you're talking. I like the chocolate sea salt. My new one. You're the one that got me into this garbage. I love these things. I eat them. I buy them with my own money and I'm eating them right now while you're talking about them. I'm going to mute. My new one that I really like is just the straight up peanut butter. I love that one. And these, so let me straight up, straight up peanut butter. Let me tell you about what these are. These are bars. I don't know if you would call them. You, I, I guess it's a protein bar, but it's more than that. I feel like that diminishes it by just calling it a protein bar. These things are made with 100% whole ingredients. And the whole thing I love about this, when I first saw these uh, way before they were a sponsor, I started getting them at uh, the little gym I go to, had them and was selling them there. And what drew me to them, what, what was really interesting is that right on the front of the package, it tells you everything that's in it. And it's what you just said right there. And that's the thing. They want to be totally transparent and upfront. They have these core ingredients, egg whites, dates, and nuts. It's right on the front of the package. That's what creates the taste. That's what creates the texture. It's 100% real everything. And, uh, and they taste really, really good. That's the thing. There's so many bars out there that you say, well, it's good for me, but it just tastes horrible. It doesn't need to be like that. And, uh, and that's the thing. If you use these whole ingredients, it tastes better than anything else out there. They don't have any fillers. They don't have any additives. There's no chemicals and they don't add any sugar. Uh, so everything in there is just natural, no BS, the straight, as you would say, Merlin, the straight dope. Yeah, just the straight dope. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the sweet and it's salty, it's so freaking good. A lot, a lot of different flavors. They have eleven different flavors that you can get. All of them are gluten free, soy free, and dairy free. Again, no sugar added. And uh, I love to have these things. My favorite time to have them. I have two times I have them after I work out. After I, I'm at the gym, I'll get one of these things. I'll eat that. Even if I know I might have lunch in a couple hours, few hours. It's very important after you work out hard. To have something like this, uh, it, it gives you the energy that you need. The other time I find I really enjoy them is like if, you know, in that afternoon time when you've had lunch and you know it's still a number of hours away from dinner and you're starting to get, feel a little bit low, they're perfect for that. But um, I know people who will have them for- That's what I use them for. That's a, It's one I've, I mean, I don't eat these every single day, but if I've spaced on breakfast and lunch and I'm like, oh God, right. like I don't want to eat dinner before dinner. You have one of these, it is so filling. It's like having a little mini meal and you're totally fine till the next meal. That's right. I mean, that's selling them short. They're they're more delicious than just that purpose. But like if you need a functional piece of food to have around, 
that will make you happy, that will not be an awful thing to eat and will make you happy and full. These are so good. They're really good. And uh, my son will sometimes ask for this instead of like a dessert, uh, instead of ice cream or something after dinner. Not because they're like super sweet like a treat, but just because he likes the flavor of it so much. And that, that says a lot to it. So here's the deal. You can get you can go and get these like locally, I'm sure, but we have a special uh, discount for you. 25% off your first order at rxbar.com slash back to work. And that's just, just the letter R, the letter X, bar, rxbar.com slash back to work. And you'll use the code back to work at checkout. Just visiting the site supports the show, but get yourself 25% off uh, your first order. And uh, it's just a, a lovely, lovely snack. Uh, and I'm a big fan of, of several of the flavors, the peanut butter, the anything with sea salt in it is really, really good. Uh, go check these out. You can get a box a variety of flavors and find out which one that you like. That's what I recommend you do over at rxbar.com. rxbar.com slash back to work. Save 25% with the code back to work. Thanks very much, rxbar. Puck, puck. You hear that? I heard it. Mm-mm, but you don't hear this because the bar is gone. It's in my Ooh, tummy now. In there. <laughs> in my tum tum. <laughs> um, okay. I got it. Ivan. Oh, no. Out of seltzer. Uh, I'm going to get a seltzer and you can choose. Can we answer one listener question? Yes. Okay. I'm going to redact the names. I'm just going to tell you. So here's what I do. I go in, I quote what the person said. I wrote down what their name is. So you can choose from these three topics on quitting a job with class on accidentally succeeding at a career path. You didn't expect or on shaving prep. You pick. Well, I know you want me to pick the shaving prep one because that's your that's your jam. Um, I like the accidentally succeeding one. Hmm. Hmm. But I, like I, I don't. I don't put me in this position to pick. Why? Why? You're in a position. You're already there. Uh. Um. How about on quitting with class? This one's hard. Yeah. Let's do the quitting with. We couldn't. This is the guy who 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 quit, and then the boss freaked yeah. out. Yeah. This is one where um. Hayden. Open to seltzer. Hmm. Had a lot of coffee. Listener Chris writes in with some kind words and to say, I recently resigned my position at a very small business, less than 10 employees. My boss's reaction was far from ideal, caked with disappointment and anger. We've had a decent professional relationship over the years, and I gave over five weeks' notice. So, needless to say, I'm shocked and starting to wonder what, if anything, I could have done differently. Do you have any advice about how to navigate this exit gracefully? Yikes. Thank you for listener Chris. Listener Chris wants to know, what could he have done better or differently, Dan? Well, I, I, first of all, I think he should have been a real jerk about it. He should have gone in and said, I'm not, I'm not giving you any notice. I'm out of here right now. I'm packing up my office. And the boss would have been like, well, you can't do that. You get it. And fine. I'll give you some notice. How much do you need? And then he would have looked like a uh, hero. He was too nice. I see what you're saying. Too, too nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now, listener Chris, I'm going to take it your word on all of this. Listener Chris has definitely cast himself as doing all of this well, and I have no reason to think otherwise. What we don't know is why listener Chris left, by which I mean the two usual paths for leaving that are often very related. Did listener Chris leave this position as a primarily, forgive me for putting this so simply, was he mainly quitting this job because he didn't like this job? Or was he mainly accepting a position someplace else that was different and better? Do you follow? Right. Like, a, like has he gone to a competitor 
Well, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is listener listener Chris left out of this. this is why listener Chris decided to leave that job. Um, because that would tell us a lot, gives a lot more information to be able to help uh, our listeners understand like what to glean from this. So, I mean, <clears throat> the most critical part of this to me is like, well, maybe it was further in. Maybe I cut out. Maybe there's more in the email than I put in here. But that's what I've got out of this. Uh, it depends really on on why listener Chris left. I mean, the bottom line is this. If everything in here is full, complete, accurate, and true, sounds like he did the right thing. Five weeks is a lot of notice, and there's never going to be a good day to leave a small company. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's tough to run an operation like that. And if you've got people who are knowledgeable, dependable, who have institutional wisdom about the company, you never want to lose that. There's never a good day for that person to leave. It's disruptive and it's not a good signal to the rest of the team. Right. Don't you think? I do. I mean, I, there was one job that I had where I gave a five week notice and I was like at a I was like a, it was a startup. I was a C level position and I gave him like two months or something. I mean, it was it, because I knew that it was going to be a big thing and there was going to be a transition and everything else. I think five weeks is incredibly generous. I think it's, I do too. I, and I understand yeah. that these things can be a little bit different overseas. I've had people from the UK call into the quit show or write into the quit show and say, Oh, you know, over here, we're expected to give multiple months notice and things like that. But I can, so for our, for our out-of-state listeners, I can tell mm-hmm. you, uh, two weeks is fairly standard, standard yeah, mm-hmm. here in the U.S. And anything less is maybe kind of disrespectful, but anything more is super generous. And five weeks, I feel like, is uh, incredibly generous. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm picking apart the word, and listener Chris, I don't mean to sound like I'm being critical here, but I'm picking apart the words of this a little bit. There's, there's two things that stick out to me as a somewhat careful reader of this, which is one, um, the elephant in the room, why are you leaving? And, and then B, about what is your boss disappointed and angry? Does the boss feel that you were being um, disloyal, that you're leaving at a particularly difficult time? Like if it's, mm-hmm. a, you know, one thing about small companies, small companies may not be like hand to mouth month to month, but it's usually a pretty, pretty tight margins pretty tight deadlines if it's especially if it's project work are you leaving is it a time of year that's particularly bad for you to be leaving um but back to point a you know have you had discussions with this boss about the conditions that would lead you to consider leaving you know was this a sudden departure so now i'm being weird and picking this apart but i feel like everything i could glean from this that would be particularly interesting i'm just trying to read between the lines is that you that's my phone. Sorry. Oh God, that's okay. I thought it was me because that's, I didn't know that tone. Oh my God. Um, the, 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 it's if everything is as you describe it, it sounds like you did the right and honorable thing. Um, obviously you can do stuff like say you, you could, you could choose if it's somebody you consider a friend, if that relationship extends to friendship, well, that'd be kind of weird that they're being this angry and disappointed, but you can certainly offer to like help find your replacement or even help potentially train that replacement. If this is not a dire, like you're leaving for some reason you find scandalous, like that's the kind of thing you could do, but it sounds like you did the right thing. Um, if you want listener, Chris, follow up and tell us more about why you quit and a little bit more of the background. But I don't know. I thought it was an interesting question because I feel like I've had in, in, in looking back at jobs that I've had, I realize we haven't talked about this specifically in a while, but I realized like how much I only in retrospect, do I realize that I felt like it was a, a family 
maybe not even in the most positive way, but where I felt this obligation, like I felt obligated to be loyal to them. And I felt they had an obligation to like take care of me because I was loyal and because of, because, because, because like, Oh, I've, (laughs) I've been, because I'm a good boy. Like I've been here. I stayed and put up with all your BS. I've overlooked a lot of the ways that you treat people. I've, you know, I could go, I've looked at monster.com and I could go anywhere and get $10,000 more. That's me. That's my voice, not you. Huh. But um, well, you but, know, but you know, I mean, it's never it's never easy. There, it's never easy. But you have to think about the flip side of this, and that is again, we don't know the size of the company or anything else. But if they suddenly lost like a major ten, client, ten employees, ten employees, if they lost a major client, they might have to let go of three of those people, and they might say, "Well, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can keep them for another few weeks." But guess what? If times turn bad for that company. They're going to let you go. And, <laughs> right, and right, right. you know, it's, it's not like they're going, well, you were a loyal employee for three years. So, you know, we're just going to keep paying you. And you know what? I'll take a cut. And uh, I know I was planning on sending my kids to college. They don't need college. You need a salary. No, they're going to fire you. Like they're going to lay you <laughs> off right. right away. You don't really. And, you, owe- and you're expected. You're expected to understand that's just because of the business climate. It's not anything that's personal. It's just, it is, as they say, just business because that's how the business works. Right. And so this guy leaves to go maybe get a better job, maybe because he didn't like the job. I would almost say in a way, like the reason doesn't matter as much as an employer, you're taking a risk by hiring somebody and you just hope that they do a good job. You hope that they stay for as long as, as you can have them. I remember when I, um, I had been working at a company for maybe about three or four years. And when I finally gave my notice, I had found another opportunity I wanted to try. Um, I gave them a, you know, I think I gave them a month notice. And my boss at the time said something really nice. He said, you know, he says, you never get to have an employee forever. I knew I, I knew you wouldn't stay working here forever. I'm just glad uh, that we had you for as long as we did, you know? And that, that was like, really nice thing to say and obviously he was disappointed he didn't want me to leave uh he wanted me to stick around he wanted me to stay but you know like he understood i was leaving and i would think if the if it's the boss's responsibility when somebody leaves to accept that and to not you know, not, it almost sounds like this person took it really personally and got mm-hmm. really huffy about it. Whereas what they should have done was say, is there anything, you know, I've really value you. I'm really disappointed that you're leaving and, and, and I'd love for you to stay. Is there anything we can do to keep you? Or what, what was it that made you want to leave? What can I do better for the other people that are here for the person I hired to replace you? Like that's how they should be focusing on it. And I think it's super unprofessional too that, that he did that. Or she, like I, don't, it. I don't know if it's a man or he or she. The, um, there's another part of this, though, as I try to cast back to my working in an office days. I mean, I, I feel like there's still this vestigial feeling. The jobs of our, our parents and grandparents and people who came before us, um, you know, this has become a cliche at this point. But the the, the stark difference between... Well, what am what am I? Am I Generation X? I think I'm Generation X. But the the stark difference between even baby boomers and Generation X, let alone generations before that, um, my parents who precede the baby boom, um, my grand my grandfather who had the same job as I've often said for over thirty years, right. he had exactly the same job. He had a, a union job. 
Um, my dad was an exception to the rule because he had a hard time finding a place where he fit in. Um, but I think, but even then when my did, dad did get a, a job that he liked, he had an extremely close relationship uh, with his boss. I mean, he was, if memory serves, his boss was one of the pallbearers at my dad's funeral. Like oh, wow. They had a very, very close relationship. We were, they were dear, dear friends of our family. So I think people my age really came up at a time where, you know, let's state the obvious. What you did for a living, where you did it. That had so much to do with your station in life and your status. And to be able to have a job where you could say to somebody, you know, even something as uh, you can still do today, like say I'm a lawyer or you could say I'm a government lawyer or I'm a defense lawyer or I'm a, I'm an oncologist or like you have this, it means a lot to be able to say you have this certain kind of job and I've had it for all this time and I'm really uh, important to the team. They'd never let me go. And, you know, there was a certain sense even for a non-union job I mean, my, my, my uncle was at P, was at, um, Procter and Gamble for his entire career, wow. his entire career after college, after business school, entirely in Procter and Gamble until he retired. So, I mean, I feel like there's still for reasons of tradition, sentimentality, and probably just lizard brain. Like we still have this feeling both as employers and employees, um, for people of my age, there still is that vestigial sense of like, oh gosh, this is a tough relationship to break off. Like, how could you do that to me? How could I do that to you? Um, when to state this somewhat obvious at this point, well, I wonder if that's such a realistic idea to have anymore, any more than I can say that this seat on the train is my train. Well, my seat on the train. Well, it is my seat on the train as long as I have obtained it and am on it for this trip, but I cannot arbitrarily look forward to always having exactly the same seat on the train. Cause that's not how trains work. And that's <laughs> not how people work. Right. Where and and certainly it feel it feels like that's the environment that environment has changed very much, starting with stuff like what they call it hoteling back in the day to nowadays like well here's your standing desk for today but you could get moved to this other place or you could just be let go or increasingly so many people just on contract those relationships have changed so much that you know the other way to look at this is like it's good to reexamine how healthily you regard your relationship with the people that you work with like have you become to some extent maybe codependent? I'm not saying that so much to listener Chris, but maybe to listener Chris's absent boss, you know, what is it that that has caused this to be something that you would take so personally? Because those relationships have changed so much. It really feels like it's just such a different paradigm than even when I was a young adult, very different today. That was a long ramble, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. I do. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard not to take it personally, especially if you're losing a job. There's never a good time to just suddenly not have income anymore. And, you know, and, and if we extend that family model as the person who employs people, I'm guessing in this case, this is, I'm surmising that this boss is probably kind of the owner of the company. Yeah, I think so. that's, that's, a big, that's, that's, that's my a, impression as well from listening to it for sure. And that's a big loss. So you got somebody who's been there a long time and they go away. Like you could end up taking that personally. I guess part of my counsel is, uh, listener Chris, write and tell us more because this is an interesting question, but also try not to take things too personally. Because even if it is something that's personal, it doesn't really benefit you. You don't get extra credit for being right about the world out being out to get to you. And you know what? I mean, there's another way to look at this, which is maybe it's a good thing you got out of there. If this is the the way this boss is going to be, uh, yeah. you know, who knows? Uh, maybe, yeah. you, you know, it's better, you're better off. Put it behind yeah. you. Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably right, but... Um, yeah, listen, Chris, write and tell us more. Good question. Good episode, Dan. Yeah. 
Helped a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Secret formula. Got all your holiday shopping done? Oh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. <laughs> First of all, never ask me that question. What a horrible question. What a horrible question. I walk into the Apple store um, last Friday or Saturday. Uh-huh. I walk in. The canning lady, you know what she says? What? She says, how you doing? I said, good. She says, you got all your holiday shopping done? But that just makes you feel horrible. What kind of question is that? Yeah. Well, first of all, like, well, why are we talking about holiday shopping? Do we, is that really a thing we need to talk about? And no, of course I don't have all. I've never had all. My holiday shopping for 1987 is not done. <laughs> right. Why are you asking me this question? Why are you telling me about pectin? She's telling me about pectin. She's a canner. She's a canner, Jerry, a canner. You don't just, you, you're telling me that you don't, just don't meet someone and, and just, you're not enchanted by just hearing about their life and, and what they do. And you don't want to spend all day. She gets up at five, goes over to this woman's house and they, they, they can, they can't for hours. She puts them in three gallon quart jars that she gets from Target. Well, hey, before, I can tell you the whole thing if you want. I do want to hear it. Before we go, I get, we got a th- one more person to thank, one more company, one more place, one more special no, thing. We I do. didn't see that. It's Texas. four? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy Christmas. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Tell you. <laughs> Dan, tell me about something you well, like. Well, you tell me about it. It's Text Expander. This is your I jam. Tell you about text expander. It's this your jam. jam. I have Text Expander on all of my devices, and I rely on it very heavily. You know that the, this is not to slag on uh, Cupertino. The iOS uh, text completion stuff is fine if it works. It often doesn't work. What you get with Text Expander, in my case, I've got the ability to not have to make errors, to not have to retype things. I type a little shortcut, and it fills it in for me. And you know what this means. I'll tell you what this means. I never have to type my phone number again. I never have to type my email address again. And I never have to refer to myself as Melrin again. Because every time I type Melrin, I hear bloop, and it corrects it to Merlin, which is the more canonical (laughs) spelling of my name. Even though I type Melrin, it knows I mean Merlin, because I said from now on, whenever Dingling Boy types Melrin, change that to Merlin. Whenever I type E-M-G and hit space, I want you to put in my email address. How about this? A-M-Z-N-E. Type in my email address that I use for my Amazon purchases, which is different. I can use all of these things. I never have to type my wife's phone number again. It just fills it in for me. Somebody says, hey, I want to send you this thing. I type my address, M-Y-A-D-D-R-E-S-S, bloop. It types in my address. I never have to do it again. 600 characters of Laura Mipsum? Yes, please. L-L-O-R-E-M. Type this in for me. You never have to do it again. It is synced across all of the platforms. And once you use this, once you use Text Expander from the Smile Company, you will feel like any device on which you don't have this installed, it feels like you're using boxing gloves because you feel like you have been a completely denuded and corrupted human who no longer has the ability to type correct things on the things. You need to get this. It's called Text Expander and it's by Smile. Dan, tell me about Text Expander by Smile. You said it all. Textexpander.com slash this is this this is the URL. This is the URL. Textexpander.com slash podcast. That is the URL. That's 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 our URL. Hey, listen, thank you to our friends at Smile. If you want to go, we're the only people that they sponsor. They made that just for us. Right, just for us. Can you believe that? I know. They put it in. It's you know what they do? They type B two W. It goes bloop. And it just types out that URL everywhere. It'll uh, it'll ask you where you heard about Text Expander. So you gotta... others will piggyback, Dan. Others will piggyback. Yeah. Others will pig- piggyback. They'll piggle back on this. They will claim that that is their uh, uniform resource locator. It is not. That is ours. <laughs> it's ours. They made that shortcut for us. You type B two W. It makes that URL for you. Yeah. So sickening. Uh, it'll, it'll ask where you heard about Text Expander. Then you proceed, and you'll get a twenty percent a discount off your first year. So go check them out. Texexpander.com slash podcast. And thanks to Texexpander for making this show possible. (laughs) Smile. 
Jeez, I ate the booger on that one. Sorry, Dan. Ooh. That was a great show. I think we helped some people in here. Namaste. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And they start playing that song, that Christmas in San Francisco song. It makes me just want to tear my eyes out. Yeah, there we have uh, on uh, on one of the roads out here. It's called Three Sixty. Uh-huh. There, it's a Three Sixty. Three Sixty. Um, also called uh, Capital of Texas Highway, but no one calls it that. It's called Three Sixty. Three Sixty. It is a beautiful, beautiful road that goes uh, a, quite a long way. You can go all the way from sort of Northwest Austin Arboretum area all the way stretching down to just about, uh, just about to the airport almost. And, and much of it is very beautiful and beautiful, gorgeous Hills. Cause it takes you through hill country and there's sections of, um, of the road that have actually are, are sort of, I, I, I wouldn't call them the mountains because we don't have mountains here, but these big hills that are made of st- out of stone that they many years ago blasted through, I'm assuming with dynamite and carved the road out into them. So it's this beautiful scenic and opens up and there's, you can see the lakes and there's the beautiful Pennybacker bridge at one point on 360. Um, so anyway, uh, along one stretch of 360, they have trees that are, I guess, resemble Christmas trees enough that, People every year, and this is, I don't know how long this has been going on, but longer, I'm sure, than I lived here, uh, people will go and they will take Christmas decorations and ornaments and things like that, and they Aww. will decorate the trees that line the road in this one... I think that's nice. Yes, it's, it's beautiful. And so, at this time of year, starting usually right around the Thanksgiving time, uh, you will see people and families all picking a tree and going and decorating the tree, and then... Uh, they come back later after Christmas and they clean it up too. And, uh, and wow. it, it's pretty amazing. So that made me think of that. And that's how you know that it's getting to be Christmas time here in Texas because there's no other indication that it's Christmas time except that you see these uh, trees being I love, decorated. I love stuff like that. My, my brother-in-law who lives in Massachusetts uh, is, I think I've told you about him. He, um, I don't know what you call his title, but he has a company that installs electronics in uh, boats so he does like oh, he could be something like he puts in tvs or he puts in these whatever avionic like systems for with depth finders and all the like electronics for for boats fancy stuff and where he lives he's on this little very small body of water it's like i think it's a river but there's this little tiny island about halfway across the river between you know these two bits of land and because he's a marine guy he runs I don't know how he does this, but every, every December he runs this like, uh, waterproof, like electrical <laughs> cable all the way out to that tiny Island and puts up a Christmas tree on that Island and decorates it and lights it. And it's completely magical. Cause this tiny little, it's like something from a New Yorker cartoon. It's just this tiny little <laughs> Island <laughs> with a little Christmas tree on it, but totally lit up. And he does that all himself. God bless you, uncle. That's Sam. amazing. Amazing. Love Sam people, you know what I'm saying? People. Mm. They're not all bad. No. No. Well, have a holly jolly Christmas, Dan. <laughs> happy happy December, Rabbit <laughs> yeah, Rabbit. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you at the next year. See you at the, see you at the holiday We're party. Taking our normal uh, sabbatical for the month yes. of December. and uh, This is the last show we will ever have. This is we're gonna, <laughs> so long, farewell, I'll feed us and good night. Uh, yeah. And then we run across the mountains. There's Climb. a lot of people who are hearing this that they're starting to wonder if we're being serious. <laughs> yeah, well, you just keep wondering. Yeah. You just keep wondering. Get away from my formula. <laughs> <laughs> Weird ass show. I love it. All right, let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. <laughs>